Good morning and welcome to our online service at Brighton Road Baptist Church. Whether you're an established member, whether you found us on the internet, you are very welcome to our service today. It's Pentecost. It's a Jewish festival when Jews were expected to come to gather together to worship God from all over the place. And today, for the first time in a while, we, we've had our 10.30 service at Brighton Road Baptist Church. Odds are, if you're watching this though, you are at home, maybe by yourself or perhaps with one or two others. But whether you've come to church or whether you're at home by yourself, God is with you by his Holy Spirit. That's the truth that we celebrate this Pentecost. With that in mind then, can I lead you in prayer as we start our worship? Spirit of God, you sweep into our lives and you transform us with your renewing power. You breathe new vision, new hope, new faith into our hearts. And deep within us, you cleanse, you encourage, you empower, you inspire us. You turn our lives inside out. You come to us in our need. You bring comfort in times of sorrow. You bring courage in times of fear. You bring peace in times of trouble. And you bring hope in times of despair. So today, Holy Spirit, we welcome you again. Open our minds to your guidance. Open our hearts to your love. Open our lives to your purpose. Breathe upon us. Fill us. Change us. Make us your holy temple, filled with the glory of the living God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
the prayer of confession. Spirit of God, you are the wind of change that blows through our lives. You open us up to new dreams and new hopes, new life in Jesus Christ. Forgive us when our minds are closed, when we barricade ourselves against new ideas, when we prefer the past that we know to what you might want to do through us tomorrow. Forgive us our closed eyes, which fail to see the needs of your world, which blind us to opportunities of service and love. And forgive us our closed hands, which clutch our gifts and our wealth and our time for our own use alone. Forgive us our closed hearts, which limit our affections to those we are naturally close to. Spirit of God, forgive us and break down the prison walls of our selfishness. Open us to your love. Open us to your power. Open us to your call to serve you in the world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's for your own good. My mother used to say that to me quite a lot. I hated it when she did that. It was always something unpleasant, something that I didn't want, something that she thought would be best for me. And I can't remember now what any of the things were, but I do remember her saying that to me. It's for your own good. And I guess probably it was, giving her the benefit of the doubt. Jesus said to his disciples, 
it's for your own good. And the news was quite unwelcome for them as well. It's for your own good, he said, that I'm leaving you to go back to my father. Because if I don't go, then the comforter, the counsellor, the helper won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Take a moment just to look through the pictures on the screen. What do they have in common? They're all pictures of, of one person supporting another, whether by counselling, comforting, helping, guiding. And these are all things that the Holy Spirit does by coming alongside us, whatever our situation, wherever we find ourselves. That's why Jesus had to go to the Father, so he could send the Spirit, so that wherever we are, at whatever time, in whatever place, Christ can be with us by his Spirit. And he is your counsellor, your comforter, your helper, your guide. He's promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. I guess he's right. It was for our good. Thank you, Jesus, for your gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can I lead you in prayer for people in different kinds of need? We pray for those who are lost, 
and lonely. Holy Spirit, be their guide. We pray for those who are ill and dying. Holy Spirit, accompany them on their journey, whether that's towards recovery or through death. We pray for those who are bewildered and confused, lost in their own minds. Holy Spirit, would you ease their anxiety and give them your peace. We pray for victims of torture and human trafficking. Holy Spirit, would you deliver them from evil? We pray for victims of abuse and neglect. Holy Spirit, pour your healing love into their hearts. We pray for those who are grieving and broken. Holy Spirit, give them your comfort. Holy Spirit, would you put all these people in touch with Jesus, their Saviour and their Lord. For we ask it in his name. Amen. John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 12 to 24. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete.
I bring this message today on the day of Pentecost, a day when we remember the giving of the gift that Jesus promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out onto and into his awaiting, praying church. You see, the church, that first bunch of believers, was spending time together in prayer. Prayer was a priority. It is vital that we today, as church, continue to have prayer as our priority. Praying for one another, praying with one another. Prayer is essential if we, as church, want to fulfil God's calling upon our lives and our life together. There is no substitute to prayer, no replacement for prayer, no alternative to prayer. The church that is not a praying church is a dying church or even a dead church. Cutting off prayer is like cutting off the air that we breathe. Refusing to get on our knees in prayer is like tying our legs together and trying to run a race. How far will we get? Not far at all. If we as a church want to go forwards, we must do so on our knees. There is no other way. Excusing ourselves from prayer stems from a heart of arrogance and rebellion. Apathy towards meeting for prayer reveals a spirit of religious self-sufficiency. We don't need God. We can do and be church without God quite well. Thank you. The early church had prayer as a priority and as their passion and they grew. If we want to be church as God is calling us to be in Horsham and beyond, then we need to purposefully pray, 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 deliberately, day after day after day. Giving up on prayer or giving in to prayerlessness is not an option for the church that wants to live and flourish where it is planted. Jesus promised his followers another, like him, the Spirit of God, the Comforter, the Counselor, who would empower them to continue his ministry and mission that he had begun. They were not to religiously run on empty. Without the life-giving Spirit, they would be an impotent and ignorant religious irritant. After all, dead flies give perfume a bad smell. But with the Spirit, the church would be a catalyst for change and radical transformation of the society and community and wider world to which God had called them. So what is Jesus saying about the Spirit whom he would send? There are three aspects to the Spirit that I want us to note. Firstly, the Spirit guides into all truth. Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth, who, when he comes, will guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit actively leads us into and reveals the whole truth to us. He comes to us. He comes near. He does not stay afar. He comes close. He guides us. He will guide you into all truth. The Greek is literally written, when, however, 
shall come, he, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into the truth all. Note the Greek words that John uses here for what Jesus said, presumably in Aramaic. John uses a word for guide, which means that the spirit will be a guide for one's way ahead, showing, leading, teaching, instructing, assisting us. And when John writes the word all, truth, the word he uses is one that means each and every part of the totality. It's like viewing the whole but made up of individual parts. So in other words, the spirit leads us into the whole truth, taking one piece at a time, a gradual but eventually full revelation of God's whole truth found through Jesus. As church, as Jesus followers, we must keep in step with the Spirit as he comes to us, takes, leads and guides us into the whole truth that God is revealing bit by bit, aspect upon aspect, part added to part, jigsaw piece fitting to jigsaw piece, until all is one day complete. Jesus has already said to his disciples that I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. He would continue to teach and reveal to them his purposes and plans through the Spirit. Always remember that for church, here is not the place where we are to stay. You see, the status quo was never a thing that the church was to expect or accept. The Spirit desires to take us onwards and upwards. Church is about change. He takes us higher and higher deeper and deeper, further and further. Any maintenance must be about mission. What's the point in maintaining the engine to my car if it's never going to move off the drive? Jesus did not send the Spirit as comforter so that we as church could be comfortable. The Spirit is in Scripture likened to a river of life. So the church is not called to be a stagnant, suffocating pond, deadly for any who might stumble and fall in. God loves his church. So much so that he continues his work of transformation, restoration, reformation, refining and purifying, rebuilding amidst the rubble. We are to listen to the Spirit as he leads and guides, rebukes and provides. We are to look to the Spirit as he liberates us from religious restriction and helps us to rise from the ruin and, to borrow a phrase, build back better. Secondly, the Spirit speaks. See, Holy Spirit has something to say and wants us as church to listen. Jesus says of the Spirit, he will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Let us be those who are willing to listen and ready to obey, allowing him to shake us, to awake us, to shape us. 
in these days, we need all the more to be listening to what the Spirit says to his church. The followers of Jesus, each individually and together collectively, have a responsibility to spend time and effort in prayer, listening, learning, discerning. Jesus calls disciples, that is learners, who disciple others and we let God build his church. So may we jettison the pattern and wisdom of this world. Everything that is not of Christ, everything that is not of the Spirit, that is not of the truth and the light. See, people love the darkness for fear that their evil deeds be exposed. Salt that loses its saltiness does not become salty again. May we as church have the flavour of Jesus about us and the favour of Jesus upon us. Let us not return to any fruitless ways, but accept the pruning that he as the great gardener brings in order that more fruitfulness may result. After all, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17, by their fruit you will recognise them, those who are false and those who are true. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. Jesus also said in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So thirdly and lastly, the Spirit glorifies and makes known Jesus. See, the Spirit is always glorifying Jesus and making Jesus known. We read in verses 14 and 15 of our passage today, Jesus says of the Spirit that he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. If we truly want to be church, then we are in the business of glorifying Jesus, getting to know Jesus and making Jesus known to others around and about us. We read how the early church was all about pointing to Jesus. They prayed in Acts chapter 4, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. We read that after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. May we be as the Apostle Paul, who in Acts chapter 28 welcomed all who came to see him and proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So I pray, Father, may you shake us up as church, shake the place that we meet, shake our meetings, shake our meeting together. I pray that you may fill us up as church with your spirit. 
that you may embolden us as we proclaim your word, your truth. Holy Spirit, guide us bit by bit into all of the truth you have for us revealed through Christ. And we believe your words, Jesus, when you said, very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Amen. Before we come to celebrate communion together, I'm going to welcome Julie Shimizu into membership at St. Brian Road. Many of you will know that Julie used to be minister here a while ago, and Julie, we're delighted to welcome you back into fellowship with us. Can I just ask you, for the record, uh, do you reaffirm your faith in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, having found new life in Him? I do. And do you believe God has called you to serve Christ as part of this local Baptist church? I do. 
And uh, do you commit yourself in partnership with us to serve the Lord here in Brighton Road and in Horsham and in whatever ministry it is he calls you to exercise together with us? I most certainly do. Fantastic, thank you. At this point, I would normally uh, invite responses for the membership. Uh, you can give a thumbs up in your home or wherever it is that you're watching. But Julie, can I, can I shake your hand? Yes. <laughs> we're, we're allowed to do this today. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Julie, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, on behalf of this fellowship, I'm delighted to welcome you into membership at Brighton Road. Thank you. Can we pray for you? Yes, please do. Father, thank you for Julie's ministry here before. Thank you for directing her to join us here again. But I pray that you would do a new thing that you would do a new thing for her here at Brighton Road and you would do a new thing for us as a church through her as she comes into membership. Lord, we pray for a fruitful partnership in your gospel, for you to be glorified, for the church to be built up, for people to come to Christ and enter your kingdom. And for Julie, I pray the filling of your spirit. May she find joy and fulfilment and peace in fellowship with us as we work together for the glory of your name. For in your name I ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We come to share communion together. Scripture says that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, one who speaks on our behalf, one who speaks in our defence, one who understands us and represents us. And that's Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And there's a promise that if we confess our sins, He is faithful, He's just, he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So then, can I lead you in a prayer of confession? Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that when we turn to you, we come to one who understands, who is compassionate, who is gracious, who is merciful, who forgives and does not condemn. And in the security of knowing that we are loved by you, that we belong to you, we admit the things that we've done wrong, the things we have said and done we should not have said or done. The things we have left unsaid, the things we have left undone. As we reflect, as we bring these things before you in our hearts, Jesus, thank you for dealing with them. Thank you for, for bearing our sin in your body on the cross. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you that your heart is just full of a desire to be reconciled with us. Thank you that we give you our sin and you give us instead your righteousness, your grace, your peace, your love.
Thank you, Lord, for being my Saviour. Bring us out of darkness into your light, where we have fellowship with each other, and your blood purifies us from all sin. We ask in your name. Amen. As we come to share communion, this is the mystery that the body of Christ was broken for us, the blood of Christ was shed for us. We eat and drink to remember Jesus dying. We eat and drink to express our faith, our trust, that Christ died for me. That Jesus died to take my sin. That through his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, I'm no longer in condemnation. I am a child of God. And as we eat and drink, receiving the bread, receiving the wine, we receive his grace and his love and his life-transforming power into our hearts. And we do this because on the night before he died, Jesus was with his friends and he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, take, eat. This is my body, it's broken for you. Do this remember me. So whatever bread you have, take it, eat it, in remembrance that Christ died for you, and be thankful. And after they'd eaten, Jesus took the cup, and when he'd given thanks, he said, Drink this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood. It's your blood that cleanses me. It's your blood that redeems me. It's your blood that seals the eternal covenant between me and the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life to me. In faith, in gratitude, then, we drink the wine or whatever it is that you have that represents the blood of Christ that was shed for you. Lord Jesus, you gave your life for me to redeem me from sin and from death. I offer my life to you. Lead me in paths of righteousness that I might live for you, the one who gave his life for me. Amen.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,